Chapter One of the Jungle Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Jungle Girl by Gordon Casserly. Chapter One youth's daring courage manhood's fire firm seat and eagle eye must he acquire who doth aspire to see the gray boar die indian pig stickling song mrs norton looked contently at her image in the long mirror which reflected a graceful figure in a well-cut gray habit and smart long brown boots a pretty face and wavy auburn hair under the sun helmet then turning away and picking up her whip she left the dressing-room and passing the door of her husband's bedroom where he lay still sleeping descended the broad marble staircase of the residency to the lofty hall where an indian servant in a long red coat hurried to open the door of the dining-room for her almost at that moment a mile away raymond the adjunct of the one hundred and eightieth punjab infantry looked at his watch and called out loudly hurry up wargrave it's four o'clock and the ponies will be round in ten minutes and it's a long ride to the palace he was seated at a table on the veranda of the bungalow which he shared with his brother subaltern in the small military cantonment near rohar the capital of the native state of mandha in the west of india dawn had not yet come and by the light of an oil lamp raymond was eating a frugal breakfast of tea toast and fruit the chota harzi or light meal with which europeans in the east begin the day he was dressed in an old shooting jacket breeches and boots and as he ate his eyes turned frequently to a bundle of steel-headed bamboo spears leaning against the wall near him for he and his companion were going as the guests of the marha of manda for a day's pig-stickling as hunting the wild boar is termed in india he had finished his meal and lit a cheroot before wargave came yawning on to the veranda sorry for being so lazy old chap said the newcomer but a year's leave in england gets one out of the habit of early rising he pulled up a chair to the table on which his white-clad mussulman servant who had come up the front steps of the veranda laid a tray with his tea and toast and while he ate raymond lay back smoking in a long chair and looked almost affectionately at him they had been friends since their sandhurst days and during the past twelve months of his comrade's absence on furlong in europe the adjunct had sorely missed his cheery companionship nor was he the only one in their regiment who had 
frank wargrave was almost universally liked by both men and women and while unspoilt by popularity thoroughly deserved it he was about twenty-six years of age above medium height with a lithe and graceful figure which the riding costume that he was wearing well set off fair-haired and blue-eyed with good though irregular features he was pleasant-faced and attractive rather than handsome the cheerful good-tempered manner that he displayed even at that trying early hour was a true indication of a happy and light-hearted disposition that made him as liked by his brother officers as by other men who did not know him so well in his regiment all the native ranks adored the young sahib who was always kind and considerate though just to them and looked more closely after their interests than he did his own for like most young officers in the indian army he was seldom out of debt but soldierly hospitality and a hand ever ready to help a friend in want were the causes rather than deliberate extravagance on his own account taking life easily and never worrying over his own troubles he was always generous and sympathetic to others and prompter to take up cudgels on their behalf than on his own his being a good sportsman and a smart soldier added to his popularity among men while all women were partial to the pleasant courteous subaltern whom they felt to have a chivalrous regard and respect for them and who was as polite and attentive to an old lady as he was to the prettiest girl while admiring and liking the other sex wargrave had hitherto been too absorbed in sport and his profession to have ever found time to lose his heart to any particular member of it while his innate respect for and high ideal of womankind had preserved him from unworthy intrigues with those ready to meet him more than halfway even in the idleness of the years furlong in england from which he had returned the previous day he had remained heart whole although several charming girls had been ready to share his lot and more than one pretty pirate had sought to make him her prize but he had been blind to them all for he was too free from conceit to believe that any woman would concern herself with him unasked he had dined and danced with maid and young matron in london ridden with them in the row and richmond park punted them down backwaters by goring pangbourne and the clevedon woods and flirted harmlessly with them in country houses after days with the quorn and the pitchley and yet come back to india true to his one love his regiment as raymond watched him the fear of the feminine dangers in england for his friends suddenly pricked and he blurted out anxiously 
i say old chap you haven't got tangled up with any women at home have you not got engaged or any silly thing like that i hope wargrave laughed no fear old boy he replied pouring out another cup of tea far too hard to think of such an expensive luxury as a wife being too busy too to see much of a particular girl you had some decent sport hadn't you asked his friend with a feeling of relief in his heart rather i told you i'd learnt to fly and got my pilot's certificate for one thing good fun flying i wish i could afford a bus of my own then i had some yachting on the solent and a lot of boating on the thames i put in a month in switzerland skiing and skating did you get any hunting yes at my uncle's near desford in lakeshire he gave me some shooting too it was all very well but i was very envious when the regiment came here and you wrote and told me of the pig sticking you were getting i've always longed for it it's great sport isn't it the best i know cried raymond enthusiastically beats hunting hollow you're not following a wretched little animal that runs for its life but a game brute that will turn on you as like not and make you fight for yours it must be ripping i do hope we'll have the luck to find plenty of pig to-day oh we're sure to the maharajah told me yesterday they have marked down a sounder that is a herd of wild pig in a maw about seven miles the other side of the city which is two miles away so we have a ride of nine to the meet that will make it a very hard day for our ponies won't it asked wargrave anxiously eighteen miles there and back and the runs as well oh that's all right the marha mounts us at the meet we'll find his horses waiting there for us raw-boned beasts with mouths like iron as a rule but good goers and staunch to pig by jove the maraja must be a real good chap one of the best replied raymond he is a man for whom i've the greatest admiration he rules his state admirably he commanded his own imperial service regiment in the war and did splendidly he is very good to us here so it seems from what i gathered at mess last night he appears to provide all our sport for us yes he arranges his shoots and the pig-sticking meats for days on which the officers of the regiment are free to go out with him when we can travel by road he sends for carriages for us lends us horses and his camels to follow us with lunch ice and drinks wherever we go what a good fellow he must be exclaimed wargrave i am glad we get pig sticking here i've always longed for it but never have been 
anywhere before where there was any as you know it's lucky for us that the sport here is good for without it life in rohar would be too awful to contemplate it's the last place the lord made it's the hardest place to reach i've ever known said wargrave it was a shock to learn that after forty-eight hours in the train i had two more days to travel after leaving the railway how did you like that forty miles in a camel train over the salt desert that made you sit up a bit eh it was awful the heat and glare off the sand nearly killed me you say there is no society here society the only europeans here or in the whole state besides those of us in the regiment are the resident and his wife what is a resident exactly a political officer appointed by the government of india to be a sort of adviser to a rajah and to keep a check on him if he rules his state badly i shouldn't imagine that our fellow here major norton would be much good as an adviser to anybody the only thing he seems to know anything about is insects he's quite a famous entomologist personally he is not a bad sort but a bit of a bore what's his wife like oh very different much younger and fond of gaiety i think not that she can get any here she's a decidedly pretty woman i haven't seen much of her for she has been away most of the time that the regiment has been here she has relatives in calcutta and stays a lot with them i don't blame her said wargrave laughing rohir must be a very deadly place for a young woman no amusements no dances no shops and the only female society the wives of the colonel and the doctor luckily for mrs norton she is rather keen on sport and a good rider you'll probably meet her to-day for she generally comes out pig-sticking with us though she doesn't carry a spear i've promised to take her shooting with us the next time we go hello here are the ponies at last are you ready frank the two officers rose as their sikhs or native grooms came up before the bungalow leading two ponies a whaler and an arab raymond walked over to the bundle of spears and selected one with a leaf-shaped steel head try this frank he said see if it suits you you don't want too long a spear his companion balanced it on his hand yes it seems all right i say old chap how does one go for the pig do you thrust at him no just ride hard at him with the spear pointed and held with stiffened arm your impetus will drive the steel well home into him mounting their ponies they started the seats carrying the spears and following them at a steady run as they trotted down the sandy road leading to the city 
where at the palace they were to meet the marajah and other sportsmen the sky was paling fast at the coming of the dawn and they could discern the dozen bungalows and the regimental lines or barracks comprising the little cantonment above which towered the dark mass of a rocky hill crowned by the ruined walls of an old native fort on either side of their route the country was flat and at first barren but as they neared the capital they passed through cultivation and rode by green fields irrigated from deep wells by hamlets of palm-thatched mud huts where no one yet stirred and on to where the high embrasured walls of the city rode above the plain under the vaulted arch of the old gateway the ponies clattered along through the narrow silent streets of gaily painted wooden balcony houses at that hour closely shuttered until the palace was reached as the rising sun began to flush the sky with rose pink the guard of sepoys at the great gate saluted as the two officers rode into the wide paved courtyard lined by the high many-windowed buildings in the centre of it a group of horsemen nobles of the state or officials of the palace in gay dresses and bright-colored poudres or turbans with gold or silver hilted swords hanging from their belts sat on their restless animals behind the maharajah a pleasant-faced athletic man in a white flannel coat riding breeches and long soft leather boots mounted on a tall whaler gelding he was chatting with four or five other officers of the punjabis and raised his hand to his forehead as the newcomers rode up and lifted their hats to him good morning your highness said raymond i hope we're not too late let me present mr wargrave of our regiment who has just returned from england with a genial smile the maharajah leant forward and held out his hand i'm glad to make your acquaintance mr wargrave he said and very pleased to see you out with us to-day are you fond of pig stickling i've never had the chance of doing any before your highness replied frank shaking his hand i'm awfully anxious to try it but being a novice i'm afraid i'll only be in the way i'm sure you won't said the maharajah courteously his command of english was perfect pig stickling is not at all difficult and i hear that you are a good rider he looked at his watch and then turning in the saddle addressed another officer of the regiment who was chafing raymond for being late are we all here now captain ross yes sir these two lazy fellows are the last replied ross laughingly very well gentlemen we'll start he waved his hand and at the signal two black-bearded sowars or soldiers of his cavalry regiment dashed by him and out through the palace gates at a hard gallop 
leading the way past the guard who turned out and presented arms as the marja and the british officers together with the crowd of nobles officials and mounted attendants followed at a smart pace the city was now waking to life from their windows the sleepy inhabitants stared at the party mostly too stupefied at that hour to recognize and salute their ruler pot-bellied naked brown babies waddled on to the verandas to gaze thumb in mouth at the riders pariah dogs nosing at the gutters and rubbish heaps that scented the air bolted out of the way of the horses hoofs as the sportsmen passed out of the city gates the sun was rising above the horizon the terrible hot weather sun of india whose advent ushers in the long hours of gasping breathless heat for a mile or so the route lay through fertile gardens and fields then suddenly the cultivation ended abruptly on the edge of a sandy desert that seemed with mullahs or deep steep-sided ravines and dotted with tall clumps of thorny cactus stretched away to the horizon the road became a barely discernible track but the two sores cantered on confidently heading for the spot where the fresh horses awaited the party over the sand the riders swept past a slow plodding elephant lumbering back to the city with a low of fodder by groups of tethered camels hares started up in alarm and bounded away gray partridges whirred up and yellow beet minas flew off chattering indignantly the slight morning coolness soon vanished and wargrave soft and somewhat out of condition after his weeks of shipboard life wiped his streaming face often before the guiding sowers threw up their hands in warning and vanished slowly from sight as their sure-footed horses picked their way down a steep mullah this was the ravine in which the quarry hid one after another of the riders followed the leaders down the narrow track trotted across the sandy rock-strewn river bed and climbed up the far side to where the fresh horses and a picturesque mob of wild-looking beaters stood awaiting them among the animals wargrave noticed a smart gray arab pony with a side saddle i see mrs norton intends coming out with us observed the maraja looking at the pony we must wait for her it won't be long sir said raymond pointing to a rising trail of dust on the track by which they had come i'll bet that is she all turned to watch the approaching rider draw near until they could see that it was a lady galloping furiously over the sand by jove she can ride exclaimed wargrave admiringly i hope she'll see the mullah she's heading straight for it a shouted warning caused her to pull up almost on the brink and in a few minutes she joined the waiting group wargrave looked with an interest at her as she sat on her panting horse 
talking to the marja and other officers who had dismounted mrs norton was a decidedly graceful and pretty woman the rounded curves of her shapely figure were set off to advantage by her riding costume her eyes were especially attractive greenish-gray eyes fringed by long black lashes under curved dark brows contrasting with the warm auburn tint of her hair that showed under her sun-hat her complexion was dazzling fair her mouth was rather large and voluptuous with full red lips and even white teeth bewitching dimples played in the pink cheeks even from a man like wargrave fresh from england and consequently more inclined to be critical of female beauty than were his comrades for many months had seen so few white women mrs norton's good looks could justly claim full meed of admiration and approval accepting captain ross's aid she slipped lightly from her saddle to the ground and on foot looked as graceful as she did when mounted raymond brought his friend to her and introduced him holding out a small and shapely hand in a dainty leather gauntlet she said in a frank and pleasant manner how do you do mr wargrave you are a fortunate person to have been in england so lately i haven't seen it for nearly three years were you sorry to leave it not in the least mrs norton i'd far sooner be doing this he waved his hand towards the horses and the open desert then fooling about piccadilly and the park oh but don't you miss the gaieties of town the theatres the dances and then the shops and the new fashions but you're a man and they mean nothing to you the maraja broke in mrs norton i think we'd better mount the beaters are going in and the shirkas hunters tell me that the nulla swarms with pig there are at least half dozen rideable boar in it in pig sticking only well-grown boars are pursued sows and immature boars being unmolested ross started forward to help mrs norton on to her fresh pony but wargrave refused to surrender the advantage of his proximity to her so it was into his hand she put her small foot in its well-made riding boot and was swung up by him the saddles of the rest of the party had been changed on the horses that the marja had provided the beaters streamed down the steep bank into the ravine which some distance away was filled with dense scrub affording good cover for the quarry forming line they moved through it with shrill yells the blare of horns the beating of tom-toms and a spluttering fire of blank cartridges from old muskets the riders mounted and spear in hand eagerly watched their progress through the jungle wargrave found himself beside mrs norton but after exchanging a few words he forgot her presence as 
his heart beating fast with a true sportsman's excitement he strained his eyes for the first sight of a wild boar suddenly several hundred yards away he saw a squat dark animal emerge from the tangled scrub and climbing up the nulla on their side stride away over the sand with a peculiar bounding motion that reminded morgrave of a rocking horse all eyes were turned towards the Marajah, who would decide whether the animal was worthy of pursuit or not he gazed after it for a few moments then raised his hand at the welcome signal all dashed off after the boar at a furious gallop opening out as they went to give play for their spears wild with excitement wargrave struck spurs to his horse which needed no urging being as filled with the lust of the chase as was the man on its back like a cavalry charge the riders thundered in a mad rush behind his highness whose faster mount carried him at once ahead of the rest he soon overtook the boar lowering his spear point the marajah bent forward in the saddle but at the last moment the pig jinked that is turned sharply at right angles to his former course and bounded away untouched while the baffled sportsman was carried on helplessly by his excited horse wargrave following at some distance to the marja's right rear saw to his mingled joy and trepidation the boar only a short way in front of him ride ride hard cried mrs norton almost alongside him frank drove his spurs in and the gaunt raw-boned country-bred under him sprang forward but just as it had all but reached the quarry the latter jinked again and wargrave was borne on tugging vainly at the horse's iron jaws but the boar had short shrift with a rush ross closed in on it and before it could swerve off sent his spear deep into its side and galloping on turned his hand over drawing out the lance the pig was staggered by the shock but started to run on before it could get up speed one of the indian nobles dashed at it with wild yells and speared it again the thrust this time was mortal the boar staggered on a few steps then stumbled and fell heavily to the ground the hunters reined in their sweating horses and gathered round it not a big animal commented the marja scrutinizing it with the eye of an expert about thirty-four inches high i think but the tusks are good they're yours captain ross aren't they yes your highness i think so replied ross pig-sticking law awards the trophy to the rider whose spear first inflicts a wound on the boar better luck next time mr wargrave said mr N said mrs norton riding up to him i thought you were sure of him when he jinked away from marja to be quite candid i was rather relieved i didn't get the chance mrs norton 
replied the sub-barn i've never been out after pig before i didn't quite know what to do however i see now that it isn't very difficult so i hope i'll get an opportunity later you are sure to mr wargrave remarked the marja there are several boars left in cover and the men are going in again the tatterdemalion mob of beaters was descending into the nulla and soon the wild din broke out once more a gaunt gray boar with long and gleaming tusks was seen to emerge from the scrub and climb the far bank of the ravine where he stood safely out of reach but in full view of the tantalized hunters but a string of laden camels passed over the desert scared him back again and while the riders watched in eager excitement he slowly descended into the mullah crossed it and came up the near side some hundreds of yards away the maraja raised his spear ride he cried go like the devil frank cried shouted raymond as the scurrying horseman swept in a body over the sand and he found himself for a moment beside his friend he's a beauty forty inches i'll swear splendid tusks wargrave crouched like a jockey in the saddle as the riders raced madly after the boar the indians among them wildly excited brandished their lances and uttered fierce cries as they galloped along their marriages speedier amount again took the lead but even in india sport is democratic and his nobles attendants and soldiers all tried to overtake and pass him the white men as is their wont rode in silence but none the less keenly excited over sand and stones past tall prickly cactus plants in hot pursuit all flew at racing speed it was a long chase for the old gray boar was speedy cunning and a master of wiles first one pursuer then another then a third and a fourth found him almost upon the quarry and bent down with outstretched eager spear only to be baffled by a swift jink and carried on helplessly pulling vainly at the reins at length a sudden turn threw out all the field except the maraja who had foreseen it and ridden off to intercept the now tiring boar overtaking it he bent forward and wounded it slightly the brute instantly swung in upon his horse and with a fierce grunt dashed under it and leapt up at it with a toss of the head that gave an upward thrust to the long curved tusk in an instant the horse was ripped open and brought crashing to the ground pinning its rider's leg to the earth beneath it the boar turned again marked the prostrate man and with a savage gleam in his eyes charged the maraja its gleaming ivory tusks six inches long as sharp and deadly as an aphrodite's knife End of chapter one
Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.